0: Um, good to be back with you all and had successful visit to Europe, met a lot of nice devotees there. <clears throat> Still a little um, ill, but um, gradually improving, so let's take the questions.
1: Okay. Um... Sorry, I'm like multitasking. Um, so, Gayatri, actually, Sajjan, could you ask your question? Because I have to read Gayatri's and I'm trying to do a few different things right now.
2: Okay, thank you, Didi. Dandavat Smaraj.
0: Morning, Jay. Um,
2: I had um, a question, I guess the, a few questions arise kind of naturally from around the topic of forgiveness. Uh, in, this, in the realm of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, because um, I'm just kind of noticing, like as I'm as I'm reading um, with great interest through the Chaitanya Bhagavat of Das Thakur, that um, I mean, of course, coming from from the place of, of uh, you know uh, understanding Sri Gurumurji's explanation of his particular type of of expression, um, which I'm sure you're you're completely familiar with, well acquainted with, Um, it seems as if not a single page goes by. It's not like one isolated little comment where he says, oh, if someone does not accept Nityananda Prabhu, I kick on his head, that type of thing. It's not, that's not just one isolated comment. It seems like practically every, on every page, He's criticizing, cursing, condemning like so many different people who are either not accepting Nityananda Prabhu or not accepting the position of Sri Sri Advaita Acharya, or uh, not not perceiving uh, Mahaprabhu in a particular way. Um, And so, um, and I also, I couldn't help noticing uh, quite a while ago that the principle of forgiveness was not one of the 26 qualities of a Vaishnava uh, listed in the Chaitanya Charita Mrita or by Srila Prabhupada. And so, um, and then I kind of also remembered, um, as I, I believe uh, you yourself have mentioned uh, on a previous occasion, that. Um, within the Madhva-sampradaya, there's, the princi- there's there's some principle of like eternally condemned souls, uh, which is not found in like anywhere else in like any, any Vaishnava theology or philosophy like that. Um, so I'm just kind of like wondering if there's some scope for uh, where does... For, if, is there some scope for actually being unconditionally forgiving um, or even, I mean, like, again, there's, it's just a little mysterious. I wanted to get your input on this um, because mm-hmm. there's some, like, for example, I, I'm just remembering now, There's, there's like in the Chaitanya Bhagavat, uh, some of the neighbors... Uh, of Srivasta, Shri Srila Shri, Shri You know, they're saying, Oh my gosh, we can't we can't sleep at night because of the you know, the loud yelling every night that we're hearing, you know, from like uh, next door or And then Vrindavan Das Thakur says, Yes, such such sinful atheists are condemned, they're doomed to hell, etc. I mean, you know, it's a little <laughs> it gets to be a little um so I'm just wondering if there's scope for, um, for this, for actually uh, practicing forgiveness, even though it's not, um, apparently not given a lot of, um, of emphasis or importance in, um, in, our, uh, in our family's uh, ideology like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, forgiveness is one of the qualities of the Brahmins. Um, and there are any number of ex- examples of uh, Vaishnavs being forgiving and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu forgiving. You refer to Sri Marsh. I don't remember exactly what you were referring to him in relation to, but what comes to mind in relation to your topic, of course, is the place that he secured for his uh, life of bhajan um, in, um, in, uh, in Navadweep is... Um, uh, there is a su- significance from the point of view of Gorlila to his choice of place there because it is the place where Aparad is forgiven. Hmm? Yes. Place I think must have been maybe Vakrishvar Pandit or someone who had, or Dhammeda, somebody, somebody, I forget, offended, I think, Sh- Shiva's or in the context of Bhagavatam narrative and so forth. And Shaitanya Mahaprabhu forgave him. So um, there is a very prominent, if you will, example of forgiveness that is capitalized on by Pujapanchrita Marsh. Also, when the opportunity arose to have land there, he thought, "I'll go there where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has exhibited this attitude of of forgiveness, because um, who who, who needs it more than me?" He he would, he thought, in, in his in his humility. So there are any number of examples of that. Um, and and I would say it, it is a prominent uh, feature. Um, but I think also that you may be, um, yeah, we may find many examples where forgiveness is not given because it's not yet warranted. Hmm. Mm. Uh, um, so, uh, it it may be it may be a fault on our part to forgive people for things that they do, um, when it would be better for them to be chastised for it. <laughs> and then if they ask for forgiveness, well, that's another thing. Then we then we can give it. So you speak about unconditional, you know, forgiveness. I think you know that's a very broad kind of a perspective that one could. Um, Uh, drift towards, if you will, outside of the context of really being involved in the world or in the dissemination of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, establishing what the teachings are and so forth. It's kind of an extreme ma'abharat, internal kind of perspective. Everything's okay. Um, um, uh, No one's at fault except me, something like that. Um, And there's no from that perspective or within that state if you will of, of consciousness there's no discrimination uh, there are, and 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 perceived necessity to correct anyone um and so on and so forth but from the madhya point, the madhya point of view and certainly when someone's writing a book they're not they're ty- typically writing it from a madhyam perspective in other words discriminating uh setting out what's correct what's not correct and so on and so forth uh, within the teachings, which is what, for example, Chaitanya Bhagwat is. Well, it's, it's a book, so is writing a book there. And um, so it's not uh, particularly, you know, an Uttam expression. Hmm? And within the Madhyama perspective, then there is that discrimination, and um, those who are inimical are avoided Now you can say, well, avoid it is one thing, but criticizing them and sending them to hell, you know, is is another thing. Well, it depends on the temperament, I would say, of the particular uh, devotee, how they're going to overtly react and what they may say, but it's not necessarily the case that what they, how they may overtly react to what they may say and verbalize is how they would, um, um, is the entirety of how they feel necessarily. So I would say that Prindamandas is a very generous and uh, broad-minded and forgiving individual, but um, he is you know, in a foundational position for establishing the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in a different culture in the midst of opposition to uh, the beginning of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, dis- dispensation. And uh, he expresses some frustration with how people you know, reacted to it negatively rather than, than positively. Of course, Bhakti Siddhanta to talk with regard to his strong statements, like "I kick on his head with shoes, um, type of statements which were echoed by Prabhupada at times. Um, uh, he, 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 he looked at that as a compassionate um, expression, um, given the idea that indifference is worse than uh, chastisement or uh, reprimanding Someone, because the reprimand or the chastisement includes within it a sense that one cares enough about someone to uh, to take the time to to correct them, to condemn them, you know, in strong language, and, uh, uh, and and try to bring them, you know, around, so to speak. So he he looked at it in in that way, and uh, you know, I think that you have to try to enter into the times in which that book is written, the culture and so on and so forth compared to now and uh, sensibilities of, of the day as well. That's another factor. But um, there, there are, as I say, there are many examples of uh, forgiveness, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nityananda Prabhu, forgiving Jagai and Madai, even, at, oh, even, as, even as they stoned him, you know, and these sure. are highlighted. So yeah. I think uh, I wouldn't be alarmed by uh, Vrindavan Das Thakur's statements at, at at times, he's a bit feisty. There's no there's no doubt about that. Um, but well, certainly a well wisher, a, a kind hearted, uh, compassionate Vaishnav.
2: Yeah, the the uh, the the uh, qu- quote by Guru Maharaj that I was referring to earlier was uh, the way he explained that uh, when sh- when Vrindavan Das Thakur, uh says that he'll kick on someone's head, then that opens up an, another oh. channel of mercy where the lord says oh my god my devotee said that to somebody now the lord has to go and like console and comfort that that person who Vrindavan Das said that to and said please forgive my devotee you know like and and it kind of like grumash said that it kind of like opens up another channel of mercy or connection between the the offender and, and the Lord like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember that now.
2: Yeah.
0: Vrindabandas is uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe you could say sakura sensibilities are coming to the surface, and those boys will exaggerate about things. Ah. So.
2: <laughs> yeah. So it's just like
0: Yudavira, you know?
2: Ah, uh, yeah. Rasa, awesome. yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 um so just like just to conclude uh my my question with with something like a right relevant and practical and and uh, in the moment uh, on the earth um suppose like somebody that we have loved like you know like in, in just like a you know like um you know like in the in, in a relationship in the world, it could be it could be a family member, a friend, um, you know, maybe a uh, another teacher or something. Something we have some some loving relationship with someone in the world, um, and uh, they may have, they they kind of like make a a, a, a passing remark, which is which is a, which is unfavorable towards a Vaishnava. I mean, there have been friends. Uh, that we've had, like, uh, you know, from previous missions who've made an unfavorable comment about Guru Maharaj, or perhaps there are those who make unfavorable comments about Srila Prabhupada uh, like that. But, you know, we have some kind of uh, appreciate, love and appreciation for them already established prior to that. Uh, is there some way that they can be forgiven? Um, you know, I mean, of course, I'm not talking about someone who has like an anti- an anti-prabhupad blog or an anti guru blog, or not not like that, but just like a passing remark, uh, you know, uh, occasional or something like that. Can can they be forgiven without being, without oneself? Uh, can they still be appreciated or loved without oneself being considered, uh, you know, like a new uh, offender <laughs> to the realm, so to speak, like that?
0: I think from a distance, you know, you can appreciate them for other qualities and so forth, and uh, in their standing as a devotee. But it's a little hard to digest um, that someone who um, you love has responded in a way that is very unloving in relation to someone whom whom you love and who's helped you. um, Given the examples that you that you've given, so I know many devotees, um, you know, like that, and I. there was times I felt a little stronger about them when these issues, for example, of vilifying Puja Patrude were a little more raw and um, in uh, you know in play, so to speak. Now you know over so much time, many of those godbrothers, for example, of mine or god sisters have 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 realized they were wrong without addressing that fact. I would say, reading Shudar Marges books and uh, they still think they were probably right from some kind of a political managerial perspective. And, and they would probably emphasize that, and not that you know, Marsh was wrong or evil or the teachings were bad, or so. so they've come to a do, you know, a better position, so to speak, on their own, because time, you know, has told um, and re- revealed, you know, their mistake, if you will. Um, so, you know, the time is is different and I don't look at them as strongly, but with, with, with as much, um, well, I, I don't look at them exactly the same way as I have in the past, so let's put it like that. You know, I guess I could say I'm more forgiving, although I think that, that for their own sake, they need to come a little further along and acknowledge what happened and they would be much better off Um, So, but I don't have a chance to meet them. I don't interact with them or anything like that, but that's how I feel about them. So so this is my own way of of responding. to it. So I, I guess it would be a little bit individual how you might want to respond.
2: Yeah, the reason I'm asking about this is because it feels viscerally, not just theoretically or philosophically, but viscerally, it feels as if when we carry around like, uh, you know, like ill will or ill feelings or like unfavorable uh, remembrances of others, we we we're suffering. We, we, even if the person may have passed away, let's say, we still go on carrying around that uh, the harboring the ill will against them for for just uh, some passing comments that they made and like that so well it's not a good
0: idea i mean people you know suffer from ignorance misconception and so on and so forth but it's probably better to focus on our own shortcomings and i think if we do that then it's harder to criticize anyone Hmm?
2: right right of course of course okay
0: yeah doctor cure thyself Yeah, of course, of course, yeah.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Maharaj. I forgive you. (laughs) Jai.
1: Sumati has a follow-up question.
0: Okay, I forgive her, too. Thank you.
3: Um, guru, Maharaj, it's interesting because I was... Vakirasa and I were talking a lot about forgiveness yesterday. And um, so it made me remember the story in the, in the Bhagavatam, uh, First Canto, Chapter 17, when Maharaj Brikshit comes across Kali beating the cow and the bull. uh uh-huh. bull who has done this to you. And the bull will not point to any particular person. And in the commentary, Prabhupada goes on for pages about, you know, a devotee sees everything that happens um, as a gift from God to to help him mm. grow in, in his, um, you know, spiritual understanding and become more responsible. And, and then, so I was thinking, like, sometimes within the Sangha, You know, devotees may inadvertently hurt one another or somebody may do something and other people look at it the wrong way and then exaggerated and that person's kind of ostracized. And where is the role of, I mean, it seems like forgiveness should be a really important part of our spiritual growth. You know, we have to forgive ourselves. it seems like we have to forgive ourselves in order to be able to forgive the faults of others, like you were saying, look within and then you won't be so interested in looking at, out and seeing other people's faults. but, you know, we're all capable of horrible, um, you know, sinful acts. And, um, I mean, all human beings.
0: Mm-hmm. I just... So you don't have a question? You're just making a comment.
3: I'm asking about the role of forgiveness, and should
0: I, I, I think it should be in the forefront? Hmm? Forefront of everyone, uh, we should be very generous with one another and forgiving, and and so forth. And it's not, as I say, it's not hard to do if you if you seriously reflect on your own own position. And if only people knew <laughs> what you were really like, then. <laughs> and you're're you're, you're blessed in one sense that they don't in another sense you're not because then you you're you're you're, you're enable yourself to uh to continue and perpetuate uh, or you know uh, continue to act in in, in ways that uh, are less than ideal and so yeah, i think it should be um very much in in the forefront mm-hmm. Prabhupada used to give the example that uh, it's, you shouldn't criticize uh, someone for being dirty when they're in the shower.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I think that should be, um, you know, prominent. Krishna himself uh, makes a statement about his devotees who, who may be even worthy of criticism. He even uses the word uh, Sudarachar. Durachar means dura bad, achar, behavior. But he says Sudarachar, very bad behavior. They may act like that sometimes, but still, they're my devotees. Mm. So I look at them differently because they're they're properly situated, and know, whatever those problems are, they're superficial. They 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 aren't anywhere near as substantial um, as is their connection with me that they have forged um, and. Um, um, Sacrificed for and and so on and so forth, and which is central uh, to their lives. So you know you have to look at a person uh, centrally rather than superficially. The same thing is is given um, in Amrita where uh, Rupa Goswami speaks about devotees who may have blemishes mentally or physically that should be overlooked in light of their inner reality, faith commitment, and so on and so forth. So the latter should take. Um, precedence and should enable us to, you know, to to come together and be a group, if you will, to, um, um, despite um, differences, faults, shortcomings, and so forth, on the basis of the higher thing that we have in common. That's that's the basic idea. It's uh, easier to do for some than, than others for 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 different reasons. Um, but as I always say, well, you know, we respect everyone. And take as much distance from them as is necessary to do that. Hmm. If you need greater distance in order to respect them, take greater distance. But uh, that should be the, the basic uh, guiding you know principle, if you will. And forgiveness, you know, falls within that um, as well. Um, and uh, the other part, the other part of that, of course, is who am I to judge? Is is It's, it's, a, it's a, to 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 condemn. It's not for everybody to criticize. It's not necessarily for everybody. Someone can do that effectively, constructively, and bring about a good result. Not everyone can do that. Hmm? Um, and then if we try to do that, we we'll, you know it, we may have, it may be counterproductive and it may also um, uh, not help the person and we criticize and it may not help us. so
3: and and if the person who's being criticized is not changing the other devotees aren't on a level high enough to think oh well that's something maybe that happened many many years ago and this person has I have to give them you know the opportunity to grow beyond that and you know we're on a spiritual journey not a material trajectory but that person continue to be ostracized so they just see that as well this is coming from krishna to help me in some
0: way that would be a good way to look at it but ostracization is a pretty strong um position to take in relation to a devotee temples are places for people who have problems to come to people who have faults are supposed to come to the temple not the pure people pure people don't need the temple Mm -hmm. it's the people who are not pure who need the temple and need the association and so forth so um Often it's you know it's put the other way around, <laughs> it's backwards. So um, so yeah, that that's uh, I think that is uh, very kind of central, actually. It's missed, it's a point that's often missed, but it's very central to uh, to Bodhi Vaishnavism, experience spirit spiritual life in general.
3: who's all of us to open our heart and like it was a sheila sheater i mean a person
0: can be a person who has a particular issue or problem or whatnot may be uh better encouraged to and 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 even intimidated if you will to improve by generosity than by lack of that you can by, by the lack of that and ostracizing to use your term someone, for example, from a sangha or from a community, um, yes, they're left with trying to reflect upon that in the way in which you mentioned, say it must be Krishna's arrangement and so on and so forth, but they're in a weak position there without that kind of Sangha and so forth. And it's it, it's difficult for them to take advantage of of you know the, the the ostracization and look at it in a positive light and turn it into something. And 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 should they do that, you know, who, who on the other side is going to acknowledge it? That's happened. They don't even know him. They don't even give him an opportunity or her. So you know that that's uh, uh, whereas on the opposite side, as I say, the to um, uh, uh, embrace such a person, uh, you know. Say they apologize or something or whatever, then you embrace them and allow them in, and then you you're very very generous with them. That is, is a very powerful means to correct them. It's it's people are so nice to you, they're so accommodating. It's 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 difficult then for you to, you know, not not want to change uh, given given how kind they, they have been and and uh, generous in in their dealings and so forth. So something to think about. Well,
1: yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. Right. <coughs> Another question.
1: Um. So I also just like to say there's, this is the last question I have. So if anyone else has any questions, just message me and let me know. Um, so this question is from Gayatri. Um, so she says, um, okay, if we have all gone through, millions of species and lived out all kinds of desires to then finally come into human life, how is it that we still have so many desires left and sometimes even go back into another life form to live out a particular desire once again?" Who asked? Uh, Gayatri. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Um, well, I think that, um, Excuse me, um, our teaching is that human life is rare, and we see that practically, excuse me, that among so many species of life, humans are very few. There's more on the end of my finger, you know, than there are, you know, many times over uh, humans in the world. Hmm? Um, And that's just one, uh, you know, type of whatever bacteria or something, type of invisible to the naked eye of the human species. So humans are very, very rare, and they're rare um, also in terms of the consciousness that surfaces in human life because it's a reasoning consciousness. It's a questioning. Um, I often give it, a, you know, refer to it as the "why" of things and so forth. That's coming to the fore, qualitative kind of question that that um, is relative to consciousness. The natural world unto itself won't ask why, um, and when we ask questions of how to function within the material, the natural world. Um, those are questions that the natural world, uh, if you will, can answer, can provide answers to. Mm-hmm. So it's rare, in you know, in, in a couple of senses. But um, it's uh, also said to be it's a it's a, a a place from where one can go up or one can go down, and it depends upon the kind of association that we we keep. Um, so it's it's not that human beings have a- arrived at the position that they have and upon doing so are finished with all animal uh, desires or propensities. That's hardly the case. We're, we're kind of an animal that's been, that's been let out of the cage, okay? So, you know, you've been caged up. Now we think, okay, we'll let her out now, you know? Uh, but... Uh, uh, that 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 doesn't mean that your animal uh, tendencies and propensities are. We may not um, w- or will not get the upper hand. They may. You may bite the hand that feeds you. It's it's, it's possible. So these, you know, you, if, you're, if you're coming, if you if you consider that you're coming to human life out of animal life, so the animality is part of, hu- of humanity, and spirituality on the other end of the spectrum um, is something that you have the opportunity for. So it's one thing to have an opportunity for spiritual life that the human life affords us. And it's another thing to acknowledge that, well, human life is part of the animal world (laughs) at the same time. And the time spent in the animal world and having come from there is quite a bit longer. And the habits and the trajectory that we have, if you will, is is actually one that's been going in the opposite direction of, um, of spirituality. So... Uh, that momentum is is difficult to turn around which speaks to the power of sadhu mm-hmm. if you really understand it to, to change the course of uh that uh trajectory um is uh is is, is not an easy easy task. so there's a lot of power in, in sadhu sangha to, to change the course and put someone on on the course then to, towards spirituality but you know you it's it's not going to happen um as i say uh, uh you know overnight and and people can make offenses and it's not because you now you're a human being you know and, uh, you can never make a mistake again or you know you do it all the time right so um, use your common sense and uh and understand human life properly it's a great opportunity um but um opportunities aren't always Fully taken advantage of or take time to take, take advantage of. So uh, it shouldn't be surprising that that uh, we may abuse a good thing. That's always possible. Mm-hmm. And it happens so we see people, you know what can you say? You see people acting like animals. Bhagavatam refers to them as duibada pushu, two-legged animals. We see that. You know, we we try to uh, set a better example and and give them a uh, afford them teachings and insights about a better course to take, and so on and so forth. But you can bring a horse to water, as they say, but you can't make it drink. So um, it's complex to the trajectory of every human. Their karmic background and so on and so forth. It's, it's impossible to sort all that out um but it seems quite understandable and reasonable that that people might go backwards rather than forwards um there are ideas out and about um as that, that arose as the western uh spiritually minded communities started to interface with the west and possessed as it often is with its entrepreneurial you know nature if you will try to improve on everything from the east um and then they present ideas about reincarnation for example in which well everything's always getting better it never goes backwards so it's always getting better you know well sounds may that may sound good but it's it's not something that is um, um found in in the in the text where the concept of reincarnation is uh, you know is is, is is first brought to light <laughs> and um, you can't just discard parts of it because you don't like it and so forth and, and neither does that perspective um, measure up to you know our experience We we experience people going backwards we experience people in human dress acting like the animals they will be in their next life we, we experience that and we experience the opposite too those will be saints in their next life so so it's a middle middle ground. It's 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 uh, it's it's. Earth is sometimes you know the, the Bhoomandala Bar just Bar it's described like that as a place from which to go up or, or which which to go return back. You know you, you got you, both sides are pulling on you right. Mm-hmm. So a good association that's important because. Without good association, there's plenty of bad association. <laughs> there's no there's no shortage of that. Right, To pull on you. I hope that helps. Are there any equ- other questions? I guess that was the last one. A little early, but.
1: Uh, uh, Kanu Ram has some.
0: Kanu Ram, okay.
4: Good morning, Guru Maharaj. My obeisances to you. Um, I was. I had a couple of questions this morning. I was reading Chaitanya Bhagavat, and it talks about um, how Lord Chaitanya's wife, Lakshmi Devi, was situated like in a, a position like of love and awe and reverence. Ooh. And I was one, Lakshmi Devi,
0: uh-huh.
4: and how she would hold Lord Chaitanya's feet sometimes for hours. Mm. And I was just, I was just thinking about that, and I was thinking so much about how, like, what Lord Chaitanya like comes to give is like love with intimacy, and I was just thinking about her position and, of course, how glorious she must be. But can you describe a little bit about why why somebody like that appears in a mood with like with awe and reverence for Lord Chaitanya
0: Yes, uh, because Lakshmi Devi has that bhava, that is her sthayi bhava, hmm. um, and that's why, for example. Uh, uh, the consorts of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lakshmi Priya, who then passed away, and then Vishnu Priya, there is eternal consorts in in Vaikuntha as well. And there is a form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Vaikuntha, aside from Nabhadvip. um But wh- the question is who do we find in Gaur Leela hmm, that does that? Uh, does not have that kind of reverential relationship with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as Gordon Ryan, but sees him as Krishna himself in internally from in Mandury Bhav, and that's of course Garathar Pandit. So Garathar Pandit is the is the Radha of Gorlila. Hmm? So there um you 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 find the lack. Of the reverence that you're you talking about, but you can't change the sthayi bhav of, of Lakshmi. Hmm? Lakshmi ha, is there with every manifestation of, of, the, of, the, of, of Krishna, every, every avatar, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and so um, that's her nature. She's massaging the feet of 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 uh, um, Narayan. Gordon Ryan, so there she is, right? It's, that's her, her place. You can't expect her to act in relation to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the way that the Adar Pandit Pundit will, from a Madhuri Rasa perspective, or the way that the Dinanda Prabhu would, from a Sakya perspective. So those aspects of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there's some, those are some aspects of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela, and then there are other aspects obviously the, the internal reason for his descent and all that to do with the brudge bhakti and so forth but externally if you will um, he's also the yuga avatar right now peculiarity of that is that he wove together the yuga avatar and praying and garlanded the world with it very special but that side of him is there that side is called by the way tacharya who is the Mahavishnu vishnu through whom the avatars you avatars come and so on and so forth. So, so there's a uh, there's there's a place for that uh, for for Lakshmi's perspective. And there are some devotees that may worship Sri Chaitanya who like that as well. Sometimes we refer to him as as as, as Orion, right, rather than as Nimai Pandit. Does that help? Lakshmi Priyakiji,
4: Jai, thank you, Guru Maharaj. Yeah. Uh, can I ask one more? Yeah, you can. I got it. so there's another question like in that around that same chapter Lord Chaitanya is is going to Bangladesh with some of his students for preaching and gaining wealth and it talks about how like Lord Chaitanya is a teacher of grammar but like seems like culturally like grammar wasn't like the big topic that wasn't like what would really like when you respect and everything in in the Navadweep area time um, any? Do you have some ideas like why grammar rather than some other subject?
0: Well, language is more important than you realize. Perhaps um, it's a very complex thing, and, and what is its relationship to humans and consciousness and so on and so forth? But um, but um, uh, it was. Uh, it's a basic part of education and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught Sanskrit grammar but he demonstrated at times that that um, he knew much more about the, the language than simply grammar. Simple grammarian could not have defeated Keshava Kashmiri who composed 100 songs uh, verses in praise of the Ganga spontaneously with alliteration and uh, and so many um, um, ornaments, literary ornaments and so forth that Mahaprabhu could all all of which Mahaprabhu could understand, and even found some fault in two of his his verses that that uh, were surprising to the Keshe of Kashmiri, because to even remember one of the verses at all would have been hard, to speak of find a fault. So um, he knew more, but he, but it, this was his occupation, and it's 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 it's, it's kind of a Madhurya perspective. I mean, it's an intimate perspective. He's a teacher of grammar. Hmm? Went to East Bengal to get some more more students. So it's a, it's a typical way. Uh, uh, one of the typical ways in which a Brahmin uh, would uh, maintain himself and so forth. So, um, humble uh, occupation as a grammarian, if you will, a teacher of grammar, In he, he, he's seen as such. Uh, this is part of the, I would say, part of the Maduria aspect of his, um, of course, you know, uh, of his leader. Of course, he was very extraordinary in that regard. Hmm. And as they say, it was apparent that you know he knew more than that. But, <laughs> and it came out at, at, at times. Does that help?
4: Yes. Thank you very much for. Well, what what do you mean about his Midoriya side? If he has the Midoriya aspect,
0: you seem to be asking like, well, you know, he only he was a grammarian. Why didn't he have a bigger? You know, he's God. You know, he, why didn't he have a bigger? You know a more prestigious job or something like that. I'm saying, well, that's part of the Maduria aspect of it. You know, yeah, he's God, but he only Krishna's God too, but he was just a coward boy. You could say, well, why wasn't he a prince? Why would you know obviously you can't you know, it's hard to believe he's God. He's a cowherd. Well, you know, think again, right? So that's what I mean by materia It's sweet that he was a teacher of grammar. All right. Anything else?
1: Yeah, there's a few more questions. Um so uh bhajan asked um Pranam Guru Maharaj, could you please explain the relationship between Vaidi Bhakti practices and the development of Rav Bhakti? Who's asking? Uh Bhajan.
0: Hello, so yes, um there are a couple of ways to understand um, Vaidhi Bhakti. Okay. One way to understand Vaidhi Bhakti she is, 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 is okay. that it is a type of uh, spiritual practice, the manifestation of bhakti in, the, in pursuit of love of God in awe and reverence.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so the goal of the sadhya, of that type of sadhana would be to attain mukti and bhikuntha in the worship of Narayan, for example, Um, that is bhakti, bhaidi bhakti unto itself, and it is driven um, rather than by just spontaneous love, like we see in praj, by the scriptural uh, mandates that say you should not do this, you should do this, you should be a devotee of Narayan, because he is God and these are the reasons that he is God and so the motivating force, if you will, is kind of a love that is dutiful, it should be done, it's the right thing to be done and therefore it will be done and what should not be done that should be avoided and so forth. So that type of bhakti is governed by these type of scriptural um, um, uh, directives, right? Now, the other idea of Vladi Bhakti is a approach to Bhakti that is aimed at the the ideal of the ragmarg in Braj, but um, the practitioner
2: inspired by
0: that ideal does not have all the qualifications required to
4: tread the mark for example
0: in the the meditation lila seva przez, przez jest to bhava bhakti to there's still a type of sadhana that goes on To engage in that type of lila-seva internally in a meditative body prior to attaining bhava-bhakti or ruchi and asaki, the very higher end of sadhana-bhakti, is difficult, if if not um, um, potentially, in the worst case, even counterproductive, producing a misunderstanding of it and so forth and so on. um, giving rise to a neglect of things that are more important that will call one's progress. Mm-hmm. So because Adikar eligibility is, is lacking in one who's had good association with the ragmarga ideal and has that ideal, mm, one needs to grow in terms of eligibility. And so one of the aspects of rag bhakti explained by Rupa Goswami are to... Um, engage in Vaidhi Bhakti. That means that previous to the description of Raghunuga Bhakti in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Raghunuga Sadhana, is a long description of the Angas of Vaidhi Bhakti and the practice of Vaidhi Bhakti. <coughs> so when Rupa Goswami is speaking about Raga Bhakti, he says, included within it is the embrace of um, basically the um, all of the angas previously mentioned of mm-hmm. uh, Vaidi Bhakti. Not that one has to embrace all of them, but they're, you know, but that's a whole lifestyle there. There are angas that pertain to the, the mind, the body, speech, and so forth. It's really laying out a very comprehensive um, lifestyle, if you will. Even while one anga maybe take precedence over another, and you could become perfect by any one of the powerful angas like hearing, chanting. And, And so on and so forth. Some are some of them listed. There are sub angas of principal angas, and so forth. But um, other than a couple of them that are not favorable themselves, for example, the worship of the queens of Dwarka, that's not conducive to attaining the ragmark. So that type of that anga is not followed. But otherwise, so many are embraced. And Rupa Goswami says again, this is one of the central features of. Raganuga Bhakti, embracing the Bhaiti Bhakti, means those expressions, angas of Bhaiti Bhakti that have already been given. Now one embraces them, but not with a view to attain reverential love in Vaikumpa, in, in but with a view to attain greater eligibility on the path of rag Bhakti in pursuit of the ideal of rag Bhakti. That means to follow in the footsteps of the inhabitants of, of, of Braja and um, to have a kind of love that is driven, you know, by that, but the the, the kind of spontaneous in nature that it doesn't depend upon, for example, the fact, the scriptural fact that Krishna is God, it doesn't depend upon that. Now, prior to having full eligibility, obviously one's practice is going to depend to some extent on knowing that Krishna is, is, is God, so there is an understand sometimes we sometimes Vaidi Bhakti, as I'm speaking about it now, um, that term is also used mm-hmm. uh, to speak about someone who was in who was on the Ragmarg by way of that being his or her ideal, but lacks full eligibility to incorporate all of the practices that Ragmarg uh includes. Rupa goes, Jiva Goswami on the other hand has referred to this type of rag bhakti that is lacking in a very central feature of rag bhakti means a taste that, that 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 drives one's practice rather than the knowledge that the scripture says you should do this you shouldn't do that but but obviously if you're driven by a taste rather than what should be done and what shouldn't be done well your practice is going to be uh, more um natural, easier to follow, and so on and so forth. But if you have that ideal, but you don't like the taste, then you need more eligibility to get the taste. So he refers to that as Ajata Ruchi raganuga Bhakti. Raganuga Bhakti without ruchi, which is kind of like an oxymoron, because what Ragnuga Bhakti is about is ruchi or, or lobha. The same idea here, a taste. Practice driven by taste Rather than by scriptural mandates, you should do this and you shouldn't do that, which would constitute a dutiful type of love. Hmm? We're not in Rag Bhakti, in, in Braj, they're not serving Krishna out of the sense of duty, hmm? but just out of a sense of love. So it's a very extraordinary ideal. And it's, it's easy to be captivated by that if you hear about it <coughs> through good association and so on and so forth. But to be captivated by the ideal and associated with someone who, who, who has that. Type of taste and so forth is does not necessarily mean that you have all the adhikar to pursue the, the same path. So, so that you do Vaidhi Bhakti with that ideal in in mind, excluding some aspects of Vaidhi Bhakti that aren't relevant to that ideal. Hmm. So, that's how we should think of Vadi Bhakti. Um, and it can, therefore, in that understanding, be said that we do vādhi bhakti to attain rāg bhakti. Hmm. But again, it has to be qualified as, as qualified, to distinguish what we mean by vādhi bhakti there in in, in comparison to vādhi bhakti as a path unto itself. Does that help? <laughs> I hope so.
1: I hope it. yeah, I think so, (laughs) hopefully. Um, Do you wanna go to the next question? Sure. Okay, so this is the last question I have um, and it's from Michael. And he says, um, I've been studying some other walks of faith as a way to understand them better and be more compassionate towards others when sharing Gaudiya philosophy. I feel it helps me understand Krishna in different ways is this all right as a newer devotee and what advice would you give in how to approach other faiths as a godia
0: yeah for the curious mind um i think that that is uh, a good idea i think that uh, it should to, if you do that with proper association so it would only strengthen your faith and i think that um Hinduism is, is really speaks about some very universal kind of principles: jnana, karma, bhakti, if you will. That you'll find to one extent or another in other other traditions, um, and um, identifying those ingredients, if you will, or approaches uh, to, to to God within other traditions will be will be helpful. Um, and um, of course, you know, we, we live in times where it is, I think, conducive to have a pluralistic uh, perspective. There were times, uh, for example, that Sajjan re- referred to um, when he spoke about the writing of Chaitanya Bhagwat and establishing of the Chaitanya tradition in Nabadwip at that time. You know, that, that that's one thing now, it's uh, 500 plus years later, and it's a very different uh, world, if you will. And um, even within the last, you know, 50 years, it's very different for Godia Vaishnavism with Prabhupada, how he that looked at things and preached at the time in which he came to America, where he was like breaking ground and so on and so forth. Is one thing. Um, we, we look and see how Bhakti Vinod spoke about Godi Vaishnavism and how we relate it to other paths and so forth and we find a more universality there um, and so both sides are you know part of Godi Vaishnavism depending on the time and the circumstance and so forth. In the beginning it may be time to you know focus exclusively on Gaudi Vaishnavism and avoid other paths and but and, and then to strengthen our faith over time it may be useful to um, explore other paths to some extent and and see the common ground and so on and so forth and um and I think that would be useful also in terms of of attracting people to to, to gogi Vaishnavism, mm. having a pluralistic kind of perspective where you, know, you realize there are other spiritual paths and there are other approaches to one extent or another to transcendence and people are on them and and that's uh, that's what's um, um, how things have come to them, so, let, so let, let it be. Um, and meanwhile, set a good example and grow within your own understanding of Godi Vaishnavism. Um, so you know, while there may be a big a place in the beginning to be a little more, um, approached with uh, with uh, what are those horses used, uh, you know, on their eyes, they don't look up to the side, I forget what it's called. Um focused like that.
2: Blinders.
0: Um, the blinders, okay. And then there may be time to take the blinders off, and then there may be another time to put them back on again. We see that in the life of bhakti, you know, in the end he put the blinders back on again, and he was just uh, exclusively engaged in in bhajan, and he, he made some statements like, if you don't like Radharani, then don't come around me. You know? <laughs> uh, so uh, so that. But that's that's coming out of bhava. <clears throat> um, in the beginning, it won't come out of bhava, but make come out of a necessity to, like, you know, concentrate on what the actual teachings are, and get grounded in them, and get some experience in their tradition through practice, and having gotten that experience and so forth, well, then um, Prabhupada used to give an example that if you plant a tree, you want to put a fence around it hmm, to protect it, um, but over time, if it's healthy, it will overgrow the fence itself, right, and be able to touch other places and interact with other traditions and, and so on and so forth, in a way that um, will be conducive to itself and, and not harmful. There's a stage where they may be harmful. So, so, you know, you have a nature like that, you're an in, 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 in intellectual educated type of person. So I think that, that's uh, um, fine to do and good. Um, it's, and I would, I would include it as, as part of exercising your head to strengthen your heart. Use your head to strengthen your heart, something like that. Um hope that helps.
1: Uh, we did get a response from Bajan that that was a helpful answer. Um, but
0: Okay, good. All right, well, we're just about out of time then, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, let's see. Uh Thanks Guru Maharaj, I see someone. oh that's Bhajan saying. okay, I'm listening to your talks about Bhakti Rasmus Descendants and the answer that you gave today, pretty much a shortcut to the study, okay, Michael says that was a perfect Maharaj, well, okay, um, Guru Bhakti is sorry for having technical difficulties, Manan Mohan is, uh, he was too, then he muted the original, anyway, I'm just looking at the notes here. All right. So nice to talk with you all and um, and I hope to will be with you next week. Thank
1: you so much. Right. Thank you, everyone. Um, yeah. See you all soon in some form. <laughs>